What's at stake for today's believers in the 2020 American presidential election? Find out on today's episode of A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs here with co-host Joseph Kerr, and we're honored to join you for today's program. With only a few months until the next presidential election and a sweeping global pandemic, our nation faces unprecedented events. And our guest today is here to help. Stephen Strang is the best-selling author of God and Donald Trump, which was brandished by the president at the World Economic Forum in Switzerland in 2018 and the book Trump Aftershock. He's also the founder and CEO of Charisma Media and was voted by Time Magazine as one of the 25 most influential evangelicals in America. Today, we'll talk with him about his recent book, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, why he must win and what's at stake for Christians if he loses. We also have some new material from an upcoming book with Steve. And Steve, welcome today to A View from the Wall. Great to have you with us. Well, thank you. It's a privilege to be with you. Well, we are honored to have you with us here today as well. And with that kind of title, you were very clear on where you stand regarding President Trump. But talk a little bit with our audience. Why are the stakes so high for Christians in this 2020 presidential election? You know, in America, we're blessed to have religious freedom. And, you know, for now, hundred and almost 100, uh, 250 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, never would we thought that it'd be under attack. But our country has been moving to the left, and that includes becoming less and less godly, you know, during our, certainly our lifetime, and uh, and our religious freedoms are under actually under attack. I mean, with this whole COVID-19 thing, a couple of pastors have actually been arrested for holding service. Yeah. I mean, liquor stores can be open because their essential churches can't be. And, uh, you know, this is an attack on our religious freedom. In fact, I've just been working on a chapter on these alarming trends, a bunch of which have sort of been coming out because of this. There's like a hostility toward religion. I mean, there's always been people who aren't Christian, and even a lot of people in the church don't act Christian. You know, it goes all the way back to the beginning of time almost, but a hostility against religion and Christianity, and some people almost wanting to make it illegal. Uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio threatened to close all churches and synagogues in New York if they didn't comply. And I think he said, if I remember correctly, indefinitely, if they didn't comply with this, you know, shelter in place or quarantine order that he put out. And all of this has been going on. Uh, You know, the left has been getting its way mainly with judges and who appoints the judges, the president, the president, of course, uh, you know, really is the leader of our country, of course. And, and, uh, kind of sets the pace and here Hillary Clinton was almost to get elected. And I mean, things were bad under Obama and Clinton. And, you know, we could talk about it all day, all the way back to Roosevelt and some of those things, but it was getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, a lot of us felt that if Hillary Clinton got in that, uh, you know, it'd almost be like lights out and uh, guy Donald Trump, the first book that you mentioned 
really tells a story of how God raised up this very unlikely person who's not even particularly religious, but he's become a great champion of religious rights. He's appointed the right kind of judges. He supported Israel in a way that Obama never did. And there are a lot of other examples, and my books document this because it's almost like God gave us a window of time where the church can respond and maybe some things shift. And some things have shift, all kinds of executive orders, uh, limiting abortion, uh, putting prayer back in school, or at least <clears throat> allowing students uh, to pray. I mean, who would have thought? We have a constitutional right to pray in school, and uh, the president has to give an executive order because everybody's so like nervous that we're going to do something wrong. How can it be wrong to pray? <laughs> um, Steve, in 2016, evangelicals were really one of the core groups that helped get President Trump elected. Is there legitimate concern that they might abandon Trump in 2020? And if so, why would that happen? Well, it won't happen. If you read the media, you think it will. I mean, Christianity Today's former editor did an anti-Trump um, op-ed, and the media just went crazy because they suddenly had a conservative Christian who agreed with them. Uh, I think that that was very, very disappointed. And I know the man, and he's a fine man. But uh, the, his his support is even more solid because we see how the other side is. You know, this isn't just voting Democratic or Republican. I've been registered in both parties at different times. Um, but this is really where one party has just embraced things that are very, very anti-biblical. Uh, and uh, some of them we don't even debate, like the whole... A gay rights issue anymore. I mean, everyone's just kind of quiet about it. But um, at least the Republicans, and Donald Trump in particular, are uh, support Christian causes. And uh, so I think that the support will even be higher. As I document in my newest book, God Trump, the 2020 election, I even see his support going up in the black community. Now, most of the black Americans who support and keep their mouths shut because, you know, they can stir up a whole lot of controversy. But it was kind of interesting last time, uh, you know, black Americans mostly vote for Democrat. They do it just because that's the thing to do. But uh, three million of them stayed home instead of voting for Hillary Clinton. And that probably gave uh, Donald Trump the winning edge. And I think that that might happen this time. And I think it's because, uh, you know, other than COVID-19 happening, uh, the economy, things happening, uh, in the black community have been very good under his administration. And I think that at least Christian people sort of understand that the Democrats have become so anti-Christ and they need to sort of rethink, you know, how they approach politics and that it's not just, you know, supporting the white Republicans or, or however somebody might articulate it. Right. Well, that's a good way to put it. And I know in your book, you mentioned David Barton, who said that Christians get involved in political activities if their pastors are talking about what the Bible says about current moral and cultural issues. We only have about a minute until our break, but just if you would speak a little bit about that topic and why it's important in this election cycle. Well, too many pastors are passive and some of it is that they're not bad people. They just they're counselors or they have a teaching gift. They're not really leaders. They feel intimidated. You know, the other side can get pretty nasty. And a lot of Christians who are trying to be like the gentle Jesus just back off. But we can't. 
you know, things are bad, but they are going to get a whole lot worse if we don't stand up. And I think the pastors are beginning to do that. One of the reasons I wrote this book and the other books was try to wake up the church, really. And it, it does start with pastors taking the lead. Well, there are some strong words there for pastors in your book, and we're excited to talk more about this. So stick with us here on A View from the Wall. We'll be right back. From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. Amos was not a formerly trained prophet. He was a simple shepherd and tender of sycamore trees. He was an ordinary man whom God called to do extraordinary things. Formal training has its place, but you don't need great training to do great things for God. More important than great training is great faith, and that's what Amos had. Amos lived during a time of relative peace and prosperity. Most of Israel had grown complacent. They failed to put God first and fell into apostasy. Amos's world of 2,700 years ago sounds a lot like our world today. Watchmen, like Amos, we are called to tell a hardened world what God expects and what God is going to do. Will you embrace the calling to do extraordinary things for God? Be bold. Be faithful. Be a Watchman. Iamawatchman.com Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We are here with Stephen Strang talking about God, Trump, and the 2020 election. It's an inside look in your book at how the political climate is being affected by spiritual warfare, something that politicians don't talk much about, but it's an important subject for Bible-believing Christians. Talk a little bit, if you would, about how spiritual warfare is part of the election cycle. Well, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That spiritual warfare, there's a spiritual world that is as real or more real than the physical world that we see, but most people don't uh, recognize it. And spiritual warfare is always around. It's been around since the beginning of time. It's around no matter you know what country you're in or, or what election cycle is. It's just there. But with the battles that have happened and with our country becoming so uh, divided, it's almost like we notice it more. It's not mm-hmm. that it's new. We just are paying more attention to it. And I was on uh, Fox and Friends uh, a couple months ago, and they they asked me a somewhat similar question, believe it or not. And I said, the only way you can describe the overwhelming hatred of Donald Trump is in spiritual terms. I mean, it's almost, I didn't say it there, but I'm saying it to you. It's almost like it's demonic. Now you say secular people don't listen to, don't talk about it. Christians don't either. There's some (laughs) denominations that actually would kind of teach that spiritual warfare is almost like superstition. Well, that, wow. How do you even touch that? I mean, it it is a book about the supernatural, and we understand that the spiritual world is every bit, and in many cases, more real than the world that you and I live in. That's the world where we plan to spend eternity. So it's interesting that Christians don't want to touch that. Um, Well, I believe that the enemy wants to have people's eyes blinded. Mm. And, uh, you know, we're human beings, we're fallen human beings. And uh, most of the time we don't, you know, I mean, even Christians that believe in it don't pay much attention to it, you know, until they have a member of their family that's just gone almost crazy and taking drugs and, you know, violence and everything else. Then, you know, even secular people will say that it's demonic when they get around to Hitler. If you, have you ever noticed that? I mean, you know, Hitler was demonic. I mean, he, 
even people that don't even know the theology, but you know, it's just normal cases, uh, uh, adversity that happens or, or tension in families or discord between uh, coworkers and all that. We don't see it, but listen, the, the enemy of our souls is always pulling us in the wrong direction. And there's demonic activity at a, a local level between people, but also there's something happening in the heavenlies that's bigger with cultures and nations and all that kind of stuff. And I try to describe what's going on in spiritual terms. I quote a lot of uh, leaders. You know, it's not just my own opinion, but I have been a Christian journalist uh, nearly my entire adult life. I started out in secular journalism, and uh, I'm, I'm a journalist, not a theologian. But I know how to ask questions, and I quote a lot of people. I pull sources and help people to understand. It's like, oh, in fact, if you remember Frank Peretti's novel, This Present Darkness, you know, in that novel, you could kind of see what's going on. It's like, oh, your eyes are open. And in a somewhat different way, I'm trying to get the reader to say, oh, that's what's happened. That kind of explains it. I can kind of see how that's happening. So that was my goal. My goal, I'm a publisher. People probably know me as a publisher. I publish magazines and books and the Bible and a whole lot of other stuff. But I had a passion for this. I was excited about it. I wrote the book because I felt that it needed to be said. Other people are saying it, I'm sure, but not quite the same way. And I just needed to make this impassioned plea, not only to support the president, but to just stand for what's good and what's right. And for right now, in this year, in this climate, in America, uh, all we have is Donald Trump. You know, there is nobody else. And the other side has Joe Biden, which I, who I think is a very, very weak candidate. Uh, I hate to almost say it, but it's almost like he's got early dementia. And with this new uh, sex scandal, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But there are people speculating that they may actually abandon him and at the last minute nominate someone else. So this is going to be an interesting, interesting election. Well, it certainly is. And as it continues to shape up, we can predict some things that will happen in an election year. But who could have seen the COVID-19 crisis coming? How do you think the president has been handling the crisis so far from your research? Well, I think the president is a wonderful leader and he's stepped right up. He put in the travel ban when it was very um, unpopular and when he was under enormous pressure with the impeachment hearings. He went ahead and did it. He has avoided seizing all the power like a dictator and is actually getting the governors to make a lot of the decisions. And I think this is so important. And you're right. It was so surprising. You know, my book came out on January 14th and uh, we had barely even heard that there was a virus in China. And of course, when I wrote it, there was nothing. And it will affect the election in some ways just because it kind of throws everything up into the air. And it's like, we didn't know this was going to happen, so it's going to like what's going to happen next. So right. I'm actually writing a sequel. It'll be available on Amazon on May 12th called God, Trump, and COVID-19. Oh, that's perfect. And it's mainly going to be an ebook. And I tell the reader that had this happened when I was writing the first book, I would have included a lot of this stuff. But of course, I didn't. So the two books really go together. And um, we haven't really started marketing, but you know, I did put it on Facebook to see if people like the cover. And I could believe the overwhelming interest in this topic. So I'm very hopeful that people read it. I talk about what the president's done. I give him high marks as a leader. But also I have some kind of behind-the-scenes stuff from China, from some of the Christians in China, about what was really going on, how it's affected the church there. And then I discuss the very, very alarming trends, anti 
God trends where some of the governors and mayors have actually come against Christians going to church on Easter. I think that's very alarming, and uh, and we're going to be dealing with that long after this pandemic is over. Well, that's certainly a, an ongoing concern, both Easter and beyond, as we figure out the best balance between religious liberties as well as the safety of our public. And as we come back, we're going to talk more about this, so stick with us here on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall comes from I Am a Watchman Ministries, established to help individuals know the love of Jesus, enter into a relationship with Jesus, live for Jesus, tell others about Jesus, and prepare for the imminent return of Jesus. We want to inspire the body to live a life of meaning and purpose. And at the coming judgment, hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. The wise will strive to live well so that they can finish well, the prudent will work to be aware of what God has done and what prophecy notes he will do in the days to come. In support of these goals, the I Am A Watchman ministry is happy to make available at no cost a wealth of discipleship, prophecy, and spiritual growth resources for those who desire to learn and those who are called to lead. Find out more by visiting our website, IamAWatchman.com. That's IamAWatchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan along with Joe, and we've been talking with Stephen Strang about his book, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, and there's so much we could talk about. In this last segment, I want to talk a little bit about some of the spiritual aspects that aren't covered, perhaps, in some of the daily news shows you watch. For example, we don't have any prophetic proof that there will be a last-day revival before the Lord returns, but we have guests that... Uh, have talked about this, and we are seeing it online and in the news more and more about how this pandemic might be leading people back to God and sparking a new great awakening in our culture. Talk a little bit about this from your perspective, if you would, Steve. Well, you know, I start this book, God, Trump, and COVID-19, by quoting a prophecy from 1986 by David Wilkerson. He said there was going to be a great plague hit America and the world that would empty the bars and the churches, that would be a test on New York City more than it ever had. But he also said that it was gonna, it was gonna make prayerless Christians start praying again and get serious with God. It was gonna spark a third great awakening. And uh, he gave this in a private conversation with my friend Mike Evans. And I believe Mike is true. It, uh, some people have attacked it and say it was made up. I don't think so. I even verified it with one of his family members. But it's interesting to think about, and there are people saying that something will happen. And it's just like when the dark gets darker, the light gets lighter, and it's like things are so bad that something's got to happen. And, uh, you know, there have been other pandemics in his history. The bubonic plague wiped out one-third of the population of Europe. And, of course, they had no idea even what caused it, and they didn't have our modern medicine back there. This is n nothing that bad. In some ways, it's disrupted life probably about as bad. You know, Martin Luther lived through a pandemic uh, during his day. Uh, in 1918, right at the end of World War One. there was the Spanish flu um, pandemic that went through and killed half a million Americans, you know, 10 times the number who have died in this. And, of course, the population was probably one-third the size it is now. So the church has gone through that before, and in 1918, the churches and the schools 
were closed. And uh, it's just been, you know, interesting that these things happen. And God always has seems to have a plan. But, you know, it's interesting that major things can happen in history. And there are some ex- uh, exceptions where the secular world would know, of course, about Luther. And they would know about the First Great Awakening, partly because there are so few Americans <laughs> over here that when you write the history of those early people, you know, the Great Awakening will be talked about. But other things happening, like the Pentecost revival in the early 1900s, it's not talked about as being major. The 1960s were a terrible, terrible time with rioting at the National Democratic Conventions, three prominent leaders being assassinated uh, just a few years apart. You know, the two Kennedy brothers, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a horrible time. However, it was when the Jesus movement started and the charismatic movement in the Roman Catholic Church enormously changed things and millions of people were touched. Does, is it talked about outside Christian circles? Not at all. And I think in a somewhat similar way, this third great awakening, you know, you won't hear about it on MSNBC and you probably won't hear about it even on Fox, which is becoming more and more liberal, unfortunately. But, you know, that's because their eyes aren't open. Now, sometimes it'll kind of get out of control the sense that people will look at it. I mean, Time Magazine did put the Jesus movement on the front page. I remember it a year or two after they put on the front page, God is dead. So, I mean, it would be noticed, of course. But you know what? This has nothing to do with does the culture accept it? Do they approve of it? Do the elites that think they know everything, do they approve of it? This is almighty God. He's sovereign. He moves. His people are wanting of repentance. We believe yes. that there will be a culmination of time. And there have been many generations, going all the way back to the Apostle Paul, that believed it was going to ha- happen in their generation. My grandparents, who were Pentecostal uh, preachers, they thought for sure that it was going to happen when Hitler and Mussolini and all those people were around. Of course, it didn't. And, you know, maybe it won't be in our lifetime, but it certainly seems like Things are pointing to something. And I try to bring this out as a big part of my book, God, Trump, and COVID-19, which people can get on my website, which is called stevestragbooks.com. Um, or they can get it, you know, of course, from Amazon. It's really mainly an ebook. We will have some books in print. But as everybody knows, the supply chain has been totally messed up. However, I will say, if you don't mind me plugging, that Walmart and Sam's are both open, and they both have a whole lot of my God Trump in 2020 uh, books. And I got the report that the sales are very strong. So I guess people are going to buy toilet paper and paper towels and whatever else, and they walk by the bookshelf, and there it is, and they're buying it. So a lot of the stores, however, are closed, you know, because of the pandemic. Uh, but you know what? This won't be with us forever. We'll get past it just like in 1918. But I think it will leave a lasting impression on our culture. This is almost like 9-11. Things will never totally be the same. We'll look at social distancing differently. It'll make people more apt to wash their hands and be careful being around sick people, whatever they have. You know, I think that the response was uh, too much. The only thing is that early, they didn't know how many people would die. They were predicting uh, 2 million people. Of course, I deal with this in the book as well. They said that 2 million people would die in America. Now it's uh, somewhere between 50 and 60,000. It seems to change by the week, of course. And, uh, you know, it's not a whole lot worse than the common flu. And uh, I had a friend my age die of the flu a year ago, and I was shocked. I said to my wife, 
nobody dies of the flu, but yet a lot of people do. We just don't talk about it. A lot of them are elderly. We all get the flu, but we're not afraid of it. And I think once they get a vaccine, once they get some cures, you know, we'll go, kind of go back to normal. But it also right. shows that somebody could release a biologically altered virus as biological warfare and shut down the world. We've seen it with our own eyes. We have no proof of that with the Chinese. But why else do they have 1,500 different viruses in their lab and testing them? In fact, I write quite a bit about that lab in Wuhan. And there's a lot of stuff that people uh, don't go don't know about. We I wrote the book in only 19 days. Almost no one's read it, of course. But one of the editors that worked on it with me uh, said that, boy, there was all this stuff that she'd never heard before. She thought it was really interesting. And I hope that that's a foreshadowing of, of what the readers will read it as well. So the book will be available as an ebook. It'll be available on our own website as a PDF download for $5 as a PDF at, on our site, which is called GodTrump2020.com. You know, the same site is for my other book, and that's where they could get a download. I really think it's worth the read. It's uh, only about 100 pages. My other books are, you know, 250 pages. But um, there was an urgency to get it out, to get it out now, to help people, to help people see God's hand at work, help people see how this is going to affect the election, to let people know that if anything, they need to support Donald Trump more now than before, just because things are so uncertain. We almost don't know what is going to happen next, except as Christians, we know that God has a plan, that he, he has everything under control, and that we could trust in him no matter what. Well, that's well said. And we've been talking with Stephen E. Strang, best-selling author of God and Donald Trump. And we've been talking today about God, Trump, and the 2020 election. For more, you can go to GodTrump2020.com, or you can find out more in the links below where you're checking out this podcast or radio program now. And of course, we'd like to encourage you to go to our website as well at IamAWatchman.com. IamAWatchman.com. You can get tons of resources on Bible prophecy, on spiritual growth, on Christian worldview. We'd love to help you any way we can. So reach out to us there. Thanks again for being with us here on A View from the Wall. We'll be with you next time. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.